0: Amen. Romans 7. This chapter is the funeral march for the Christian. It really is. It's it's the funeral march of dying to self. And Romans 7 is a beautiful chapter of Scripture. I know I say that every time we get into a new chapter of Romans, but it really is chock full of, of just great, great doctrinal truth. We'll start in verse number 17, Romans chapter number 7. Bible says, now then, it is no more that I do it, but that sin that dwelleth in me. Paul's failure was not because, as a Christian, it wasn't because he didn't have the right attitude toward the law. He did have the right attitude toward the law. We read it in verse number 16. He said, "Um, I consent, verse 16, under the law. That it is good. He, he knew the law was good. His problem as a Christian, which I would submit to you is probably our problem, it's indwelling sin. <laughs> that's our problem. Our flesh didn't get saved. We already talked about that. So that's our starting point as we get into these next thoughts in Romans 7. But it says, sin dwelleth in me. Now, that's a very specific metaphor, if you will. What do you call a dwelling place? Your house, right? You know what Paul is trying to get us to understand? Sin occupies our dwelling place, our house, our flesh suit that we're wearing. And isn't that the struggle of the Christian life? flesh versus the spirit. And the problem is worse than that because it occupies every, every room. It doesn't matter if you go down in the basement, it's there. It doesn't matter if you go up on the roof, it's there. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. It's sin that dwelleth in me, Paul said. But the law is doing its work. Remember back in Romans 3? Whereby the law is the knowledge of sin. That, I mean, that's great. It helps sinners see that they're a sinner. It also helps saved people see that they weren't as righteous or as spiritual as they thought they were. And Paul goes through that. I go through that. You go through that. What is that? Does that mean you're not saved? No. This is Paul as a saved man. He's saved. His soul saved. What's the, what's the problem? The flesh that houses us. That's always been the problem. It didn't get saved when you got saved. And my flesh didn't get saved when I got saved. I sold it. Remember we gave the analogy. You see the light coming through the window. And all of a sudden you see those dust particles. They didn't just appear. They've always been there. And the more we get into this Christian life. The longer we get into it. We realize oh no. <laughs> It's not just dust particles. There's dirt pile on the floor. There's dirt pile in the basement. There's dirt pile on the furniture. It's ruining my house. It's ruining my furniture. It's sin. And that's the problem. It's, you've all heard of the term house squatters. That's, that's it. It's, it, it, it. Sin is the house squatter. It won't leave. The flesh is there. You can't leave, your flesh won't leave you. It won't leave you alone. Oh God help us. Remember back in Exodus. The Lord told Moses. To tell Aaron. To take the rod. And smite the, ground, the dust of the ground on the earth. And for lice. And what happened? Lice overtook. All of uh, the whole area, right? All of Egypt. and it, Look, I know we're not Old Testament mosaic law keepers uh, going through that in the nation, but I will say this. Can't you make some practical application as Christians, as saved people? Good night. We get saved, praise God, but it's almost like we get smoked by the law and it's like, well, wait a minute. There's more than a few dust particles. There's more than a few little lice in my hair. I've got sin creeping up all over my flesh. Now, it's not for this morning It's probably get either next Sunday or the following, the deliverance that Paul is brought. but sin has taken up residence. Now what's the we We mentioned this problem earlier. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Romans 8, we'll get to that after, obviously, we're done with Romans 7. But Romans 8 also says the Spirit of God dwell in you. So in Romans chapter 7, watch what it says in verse 17. Look at the contrast again. It says, but sin that dwelleth in me. So which is it? Do we have a contradiction in the Bible between Romans 7 and 8? Romans 7 and 1 Corinthians? We don't have a contradiction in the Bible. What we have is both. The Spirit of Christ does dwell in you if you've trusted him. But guess what also dwells in your body of flesh? You got it, sin. And there's the battle for the Christian. The Spirit versus the flesh. Now go to 1 Corinthians 15. look at that. First Corinthians 15 look at verse number 12 uh, number 10. First Corinthians 15 watch what Paul says under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. First Corinthians 15:10But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. You, you, you see that again? It's like, okay, was it was it Paul or was it not Paul? Yes, to, to both. What do you mean by that? Well, he's got the Spirit of God in him. His flesh dwelleth no good thing, but he still got the Spirit of God. Therein lies the contrast that we're trying to get a hold of this morning. You've got both. Remember Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Well, what are you talking about? Are you living or not living? Well, Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you going to get rid of your flesh? No, you're not. Galatians 2 tells us how to live as we're trapped in this sinful body of flesh. Christ has to do it. His spirit has to lead in God. Now, let me ask you this. Um, I'm sure most of you know the story of William Tyndale, right? English Bible, first translation, printed, and deemed a heretic. They dragged him out in the streets of Belgium, strangled him to death, and then burned him at the stake publicly. Why? Well, because he had the Bible in English. Okay. So I want you to go back to 1536. I think it was somewhere around that time. And I want you to imagine, and I'm going to imagine, that we're William Tyndale. And all we have to do to live is go before the Roman Catholic Council and recant all of the, when when they make the charge against you, All you have to do is recant and say, no, I don't believe that. You're right. We won't take the Bible in English. We won't allow the common people to read it. Now, if Tyndale did that, he would have lived. If that was you, if that was me, what would you do? I know what I want. I know what the right thing to do is. You know what the right thing to do is. But in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And you know what could very well happen if your life is at stake or my life is at stake? At burning at stake? Is our flesh could cause us to recant what we believe. Do you think that we would lose our salvation? If our soul is saved, it's saved. But you know what you got warned against the spirit? The same thing I got warned against my spirit. This. This. And it will cause us to say things and do things that we know we don't want to say. (laughs) Right? That we know we don't want to do. We know it scripturally. We know it spiritually. We know that this is wrong, yet we still do it. That's what Paul is saying. He's trapped in a dwelling place of sin called his body of flesh. My, my, my. Look at Romans 7, verse 18. Where I know that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Paul absolutely knew. He knew what was wrong. He knew what the problem was. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He's 100% powerless to the solution of the problem. You go to the doctor, and the doctor can diagnose our problem. If I had some type of sickness, I could go to the doctor, I can go to the hospital, I can find a physician, and they could diagnose me and say, okay, this is exactly what is wrong with you. This is what you've got. Here's the problem as clear as day. We've got the x-rays, we've got the CAT scan, we've got the MRI, it's all there. And the doctor clearly shows you and explains to you the problem. Okay, doc, now what are we going to do? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a cure for it. I don't have a fix for it. That happens all the time. The Christian life is not like going to the doctor. Because Christ doesn't just give you the problem. You're not hopeless. He offers you help. This is why he gave you and I the comforter. He gave you and I the Holy Spirit. We have help. We just need to yield. And it's there. It's always there. What does it say? That is, in my flesh, verse 18, dwelleth no good thing. No good thing. Ladies put on makeup, ladies put on jewelry, ladies put on perfume. Why? To beautify the flesh. You know what men do? We put on deodorant, men put on a necktie, we put on some cologne. Why? To beautify the flesh. You know what religion does? The same thing. This is why we're against formalism, we're against modernism, we're against any other ism that would be classified as a religion, not a true living relationship with a real savior who gave us a real spirit that's holy to live within us. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to come across wrong. So we beautify ourselves through religious deeds. But in my flesh and in your flesh dwelleth no good thing. We've got to be able to get the help from the Holy Spirit. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being, ransom powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. All for Jesus, all for Jesus, except you and I both know, it's not all for Jesus. And too many times we want to come to church. We want to sing the songs. We want to sit in the pew. But we don't live our lives all for Jesus. We just like to sing about it. We just like to sit and hear about it. I'm telling you, God gave you a spirit that would allow you to take action on the songs that you sing. in the songs that I sing. I don't want to just sing a song. He leadeth me, he leadeth me By his own hand he leadeth me His faithful follower I would be For by his hand he leadeth me Praise the Lord, it's Sunday morning, we're singing that. Yet Thursday night, somebody's hand took them down to Thirsty Thursdays at the bar downtown. That wasn't God! You know how many modern churches are full of that junk? Raise their hands to Jesus on Sunday and Friday night at our place they, ought, they shouldn't ought to be. We have become a nation of people who like to sing to Jesus. But during the week, our flesh just leads us all over. God help me. God help us. Let us be led by Jesus. For real. Amazing grace. How sweet the sinner. Save the wretch like me. We love the melody. We love the tune. We love the lyrics. And it don't matter if it's the original lyrics, the updated lyrics, or the new lyrics. Or the, we, we love that tune. We love it. But as a minister, if I were to say, y'all are wretches and you need to be at the prayer benches praying. Well, that's not, not, you can't call me that. We sing about it. We have become a nation of Christians that sings the right tunes and reads the right Bible and listens the right preaching. But when it comes time for us to look at ourselves and say, you know what, Lord, I'm not just going to sing. I'm a wretch. I know I'm a wretch. I've got to get my life right. I need to be at the prayer benches rather than sitting in the pews. People say "Well." Brother Jimmy, the 40s are over. That, that that time's been gone. You know why the time's been gone? I understand that time passes on. I understand things wax worse and worse. But the, the thought I'm trying to pull out this morning is that, you know why the time's gone? Because the heart condition Christians have changed. And instead of young men, 18 to 25, lining up, trying to give the church their testimony of how they were called to preach, they're lining up to tell their church, see, we're going to some secular college and we're going to learn how to become a millionaire or get this career and spend 90 hours a week doing everything that they can to promote themselves. And they have no time for Christ. Are you saying don't go to college? No, that's just what carnal Christians hear when I make an analogy like that. Are you saying don't have a job and work hard? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we have lost the battle as Christians with the flesh and we've got to gain back some ground. We're not going back to the 40s, but Culturally, our hearts can go back to where the majority of men and women were that professed Christ. They died to themselves daily. They knew their flesh was the problem, and they yielded to the Spirit. Go to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. I hope everybody's all right with this next passage. Philippians chapter 3, look at verse number 4. You hear the term, people say, well, my superpower is. You ever hear that? What's your superpower? Christians don't have superpowers. Christians Christians have spiritual power from the Holy Spirit. That's the new thing, I guess, that's popping up. Everybody wants to claim their superpower. Watch what Paul said. Philippians 3, verse number 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. If, if there was anybody that was a superhero Christian, we would all say, man, that would be, it'd be Paul. It'd be Paul. Watch what he says. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, Touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Our only righteousness is in Christ. Paul had the lineage. Paul had everything in the flesh. And he says in Romans 7, in my flesh dwells no good thing." This is the guy that would have the superpower. It'd be Paul you'd want to model your life after, other than Jesus Christ. And Paul said, look, I had it. And then I realized, I ain't got nothing. And I'm not, I know that. My kids got their Bibles. And I'm sure your kids have done this too. They try to get the preachers to sign it, collect all the preachers' signatures. I think that's a great thing. I think some have taken it too far and they don't idolize a man and all that. So there's, there's, okay, there's that side of it, but that's not where I'm going. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I think it's a good thing. It's better than learning all the stats about all the baseball players. What to learn about who the preachers are. I think that's a good thing. Any young person ever asked me to sign their Bible, this is the verse that goes in it. The next verse in Philippians 3. And it says, Yea, doubtless. Philippians 3.8 And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ. Because I want every young person, if they look up that verse or they are already not familiar with it, if they're already familiar with it, they're reminded of it again. To count every single thing in this life As a pile of dung And try to win more of Christ Now that's written to save people Tom Save people The Holy Spirit's trying to get a hold of And say you know what Win Christ I thought that's pretty good You know what's holding us back From not counting everything As a dung pile This flesh This old flesh. All right, let's start to wrap up in Romans seven. We'll finish it out. Finish it out there, Romans seven. Bible says verse number let's read verse eighteen once again. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Paul says, look, I'm pathetic. I've got to live with myself. The frustration comes from the bondage of his flesh. How to perform that which is good, I find not. You ever hear someone compliment your spouse and in the back of your head, you're thinking, yeah, well, you don't have to live with them. That's Paul as an individual Christian. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, oh, boy, I got to live with my That's Paul because of his flesh. How you doing? I'd be doing better if I didn't have to live with myself. <laughs> That's Paul in this battle with the flesh. Verse number 19. For the good that I would, I do not. He said, I'm pathetic, guys. I wanted to do good, but I don't. But the evil, which I would not, that I do. I'm so pathetic that instead of doing good, I just do evil. And I know the evil's wrong, but I still do it anyway. Lord, help me. Paul is against his own lifestyle in the flesh. Galatians 2.20, he's got got it. Romans 7, he's trying to show us, look, you're going to have to battle this spirit as a Christian. And you got two heartbeats that that are pumping. In a sense, one is pumping blood to tell you Get closer to Christ. Get closer to God. The other one's pumping blood saying you, telling you, trying to pump it, get away. Stay away. Stay away. That's the flesh battling the spirit. When I was a kid. I played this game. Uh, you know, those little kiddie pools, you fill them with water, you go out and splash around. On them. Well, you know, you get a little sailboat and put it in there. You know, you're in the pool and, then you know, you get your brother or you got your friend from the neighborhood and you both are trying to get down and you're, what you're trying to do is it, you know the sailboat little toy sailboat's on the water and you're trying to blow it to get over closer to that side and he's trying to blow it to this side and fun game until you almost pass out from blowing on the, the, the thing so hard but the point I'm trying to make is that's the flesh trying to blow you away from doing the things of God and we got to get it in subjection Because it's the Christians, the worst nightmare. Verse number 20. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul says, look, I'm not my own boss. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm in bondage to my flesh. I'm in bondage to my flesh. We all are. And we're not going to get a new body of flesh until we get a glorified body. So Paul's saying, Romans 7 is trying to allow us to get a hold of that and say, you know what? You've got to recognize this fight. You've got to recognize it. It's a war. Verse 21, last verse. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Because your flesh ain't free. It's in bondage. And your flesh is there to try to stop you and defeat you. Now, I don't want to end on a hard note, so I'm going to try to bring it back up to a, a soft note. But this is going to be hard to hear. You know why we don't make all the outreaches that we say we're going to make? Because of our flesh. You know why we don't make all the services like we know we ought to? Because of our flesh. Not talking about you're sick. Not talking about you had surgery. Not talking about you got an infection. Not talking about you just had a baby and were in the hospital for a week. Not talking about any of that. We're talking about you know and i know how committed we should be to the lord your flesh and my flesh will be there to stop it every single time and paul's pointing this out to us it's a life of defeat now we're going to get victory and we're going to get a lot of it towards the end of uh, the chapter and then going into chapter eight is going to be great but this life of of defeat go to hebrews 12 it'll be the last verse Remember that woman taken into adultery. Jesus said, go and sin no more. We can't use Romans 7 as an excuse. Well, Paul is carnal and the flesh is a problem. We're in bondage to it. Let's just go out and sin. No, no, no. That is not how we get victory. We get victory through yielding to the Holy Spirit. Christ living in us is more powerful. But look, at Roman, look at Hebrews 12. We'll finish here. Bible says, "Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, because me and Isaiah, we're going to run from here all the way down to Washington Avenue, and Isaiah is going to hold a sandbag. It's twenty pounds, and I'm going to take my sandbag and I'm going to throw it down. And we're going to both going to run. Who's going to win?" simple you know what god wants us to do lay aside some weights what's weighing you down lay it aside then he says and the sin which doth so easily beset us and you know what you've got that i don't have a sin that so easily besets you and you know what i have you don't have A sin that so easily besets me. And you know what this brother has that this sister doesn't have? A sin that so easily besets him. And you know what this sister has that this sister doesn't have? Another sin that so easily besets her. And going down the line, I'm telling you, each and every one of us has a sin that will so easily beset us. It's different for all of us, yet we may share some common ground with some of them. And that is what stops us from running the race that God has for us, why don't you just lay it aside? Why don't you stop trying to get victory over it in the power of the flesh? You won't get victory. You got to die to that flesh. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Okay, how do we get victory? You're holding on to weights. You're holding on to sins that so easily beset you. So verse 3 tells us to do this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12 verse 3 For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. If you and I don't look to Jesus Christ, if we don't set down that that weight, if we don't put away that sin, all we are going to end up with in this life is a life full of weariness. Let's put it down and let's look to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith and let him run for us.